0: And joining me for a further look on what's playing itself out on that market scene is Jacobus Brinker from the Schmidt family office. Jacobus, always a pleasure and a good afternoon to you. All right, Jacobus, uh, we're seeing red screens today, but we've seen um, a bit of a mixed week. Low volumes, though. I'm keen to get uh, your uh, take on the stocks and uh, globally here at home over the course of the week.
1: Yeah, so it's, as you mentioned, a fairly thin volumes around with the U.S. Um, having a long weekend, um, Thanksgiving weekend. Um, but yeah, a bit of a mixed picture sort of from the macro side, you know, some of the data we saw earlier um, during the week, I think, of particular um, interest was some of the the Michigan um, inflation expectations we saw out on Wednesday, um, those actually came, came in higher than expected. So we're we getting a bit of a mixed picture as far as inflation is concerned um, with what the market's pricing you know we've seen um bond yields come down substantially over the last number of weeks as the market sort of pricing in you know um, fed rate cuts possibly earlier despite the fact that we know we've we've heard quite a quite a bit of hawkish rhetoric um from the various fed officials um but you know that sort of almost seems to change on a weekly basis as well um so yeah a little bit concerning the one-year inflation equitation number came at 4.5 which is still considerably higher than the Fed sort of the, the Fed's target rate of 2%, and it's actually higher than expected as well. But um, in conjunction with that, we also saw jobless numbers looking a little bit better, you know. So I think the market was fairly concerned when we got some some weaker job numbers over the past number of weeks. But yeah, you know, I still think to a large extent, um, a lot of it's going to be driven by, you know, what the Fed's next move is going to be. Markets so obviously currently pricing in, uh, you know, remaining where they are. But yeah, that's probably going to be a big one, be a big one and we're seeing those numbers in the um, second week of december i think um, but before that we'll still get pce numbers which is the feds obviously their preferred inflation indicator as well as cpi numbers out of the us so i think that's sort of probably going to be driving markets just in general over the next couple of weeks into the end of the year
0: uh, just looking at what we are seeing in markets, though, I'm wondering if the what we normally see with the Christmas rallies on the cards, uh, you because know, it has been a very, very difficult year, of course, uh, but we have seen uh, better screens. In fact, I think uh, one of the things that I read was that markets have actually performed really well uh, over the last few weeks, better than they have in a while. And so are we expecting this to carry on into December and through the festive season?
1: Yeah, you, know, you know, the, the seasonality trade is, has always been sort of a reality. I think, you know, with, with data being more accessible to more people nowadays, I think it might be a little bit more pronounced. Um, and it's actually followed the sort of the general trends, um, very nicely, um, up until now, you know, and typically we do sort of see a, a rally into the christmas season um, but I do think you know the the one sort of spanner in the works might be the the inflation print um, you know I keep on hammering on it, but you know we've we've seen still seen some of the the components of inflation being a little bit sticky, yes, inflation has come down considerably, but a lot of it's um, also you know comps from previous year that's that's sort of just statistics sort of um, figuring into into the whole um situation. We saw that similar thing now with the with the um the the um the, the, the soft meeting yesterday, the APC meeting, sorry. Um, you know, there's, there's so the comps are actually starting to come in. So, yes, we got a number that's high that, that was sort of expected by the market, the latest CPI numbers. But, you know, there's a lot of the comp obviously influencing that as well. And we're getting the same thing in the U.S., you know. So I think I think everything's going to be driven by the Fed into year end. Um, you know, later today we're getting some PMI numbers. The PMI numbers have been very weak um, over late. Um, and we also saw some numbers out of, out of Europe this morning, um, German GDP data, um, that was pretty much driving the, the, the DAX lower at this stage. Um, once again, we saw the German economy shrinking. Um, they obviously had a weak start to the year, and then we had a further drop in the, in the, in the third quarter. You know, so, so that data, along with some slowing down, especially in the consumer side of things um, in the US, also starting to see the consumer coming under pressure. I think that's sort of going to drive a lot of the rhetoric into year end.
0: And then I must ask you about oil. Uh, We saw that OPEC plus meeting being postponed. I'm wondering if this happens often uh, or if this is also a signalling uh, some uncertainty even coming from the OPEC plus countries there with regards to demand issues and where the global economy is going.
1: Yeah, and no, I definitely. I think um, I think I touched on it when we spoke a couple of weeks ago. You know, I think to a large extent, what the price of the moves we've seen in the oil price recently has to a large extent been driven by demand. Um, we also saw inventories jump in the US at a much bigger rate than expected. You know, so that obviously is is indicative of the fact that we could be seeing some seeing some waning demand um, in oil. Um, and no, you know, to your point, I don't think they they necessarily postpone these meetings very often. Um, um, and we, we are still expecting, um, you know, more supply cuts um, to possibly boost the price from, from OPEC+. Plus. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's going to be an interesting one to watch over the weekend.
0: And then uh, coming out of South Africa, Jacobus, we ha- held our interest rates steady. Of course, uh, we didn't see much movement or reaction uh, to this one. But I'm just wondering, uh, for our global equities and our, uh, lo- our local equities, rather, and our local fund managers, uh, how uh, is this news received right now?
1: I think to a large extent um, it was expected. Um, I think there was also a lot of hope riding on it that you know the MPC wasn't going to to hike rates again because we obviously saw the CPI print um, coming in quite strong um, on on Wednesday. You know, did just about around about the six percent, which is the the upper band of the MPC sort of target range. Um, you know, so I think that did weigh on 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 the market a little bit on Wednesday. But luckily, you know, they they decided to to, to stick um, with an unchanged decision. Um, it, it was a fairly hawkish rhetoric that we heard, um, you know, from the governor. I think um, the, the, it, was, it was pretty much a unanimous, unanimous decision to keep a race steady at this stage. Um, but you know, they are once again similar story to the to the US. You know, there's a lot of Um, The the devil's always in the details of know, food prices rising 10% year on year. I mean, those are really big moves. I think to a large extent, you know, despite the fact that globally markets are pricing in a fairly benign inflation environment going forward, I think we still could see some possible surprises on the upside. Um, And, you know, you don't really want to start throwing around things like stagflation, but, you know, it's it's very much a reality at this stage. It's not, it's not something we can just necessarily ignore um so yeah interesting one but i mean sort of the orc- orcish rhetoric was still there you know so we could possibly see some some future future rate hikes um if if um, inflation
0: remains more sticky not what i wanted to hear on black friday i i'm keen to get your stock pick up, but first uh, let's reflect on counters that have found favor with your industry peers I'm going with new brooms, sweet, clean. <laughs> I think that uh, Jason Quinn's got his work cut out for him. I've been listening to the chairman talk about perform and transform as his key goals were buying it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at their last results, hips was up by 10%, that 14% revenue growth. They've got some exposure in Africa, but they're also look looking to... I think the word they used was rejig their wealth business uh-huh. and grow their market share in Africa. And they made a point of not saying of saying that they're not chasing other banks who are already in Africa. But I think you you know the combination of the chair and the new CEO is a good one, and I think they're going to make it happen.
1: Building on the view, uh, the improving outlook in South Africa a little more optimistic, with a 12-month outlook. I like AVI. I think. It's proved incredibly resilient in holding on to its margins through this really tough cycle. We've seen it outperform all the other food producers. And I think as food inflation drops off, they're gonna recapture some of their old margin. As people con- uh, have a bit more confidence, maybe a bit more money in the pocket, they will come. They will shop up a little bit back to some of the more uh, luxury brands or the more sort of higher LSM brands that AVI has. Uh, and so and in the meantime, you're getting paid a 7% dividend yield looking forward. At a company that's really one of the highest quality businesses on the exchange at a decent valuation, and it's just a nice sleep at night, capture some of the optimism that may play out over the next 6 to 12 months, and if it doesn't, you'll still be fine.
2: I'm going to go with growth points. So I'm going to kind of build on our theme that we're talking about today about, uh, you know, almost the, the safer property option. Uh, you know, it, it's typically a bellwether of the South African, well, I suppose, of the South African listed uh, environment. Mm. Um, it's not necessarily just South African, so, you know, about 62% of its, uh, if its assets are within South Africa, uh, 30% in Australia, about 8.5% in the UK, so you do have that, that kind of spread. It does have obviously an office component as well within the portfolio, but uh, kind of looking at looking at consensus estimates, I mean, looking for at least sort of 12 or 13 uh, percent upside over the next year and it also comes with a chunky kind of 12 percent uh, forecast uh, distribution so uh, you know that's that's reasonable that's you know above above what you can expect from the market on average and i think in a falling interest rate environment uh, that we could potentially have over the next three years um i think that it will i think you're going to do well with it and and as grant said uh, earlier in the show it's uh, these property rates are, are maybe a safer option than some mm-hmm. of the others so i'll play it safe today
0: and go with growth. All right, Dr. Weber is keen to get your thoughts on some of those counters. We have NetBank, AVI, as well as GrowthPoint.
1: Yeah, you know, you, you, you've got to, you know, just acknowledge that, that all of these are local counters. You know, I think just a comment in general. You know, we, we're seeing some fantastic businesses in the local space that are trading at, you know, dirt cheap valuations. I think that's sort of a, a theme across all three of these. You know, um, I think to me, interesting, definitely um, Avi and Growth Point. You know, Avi, I think they've, they've got a fantastic portfolio of companies that are still trading at a, at a big discount, um, and you know, we. You just think that seven percent that dividend yield obviously you you've got to take that into account. Um and and a similar thing with growth point, you know, the, the real estate in South Africa in general has taken a massive knock over the last, you know, two years or now. Um some of them never really sort of getting out of the whole COVID um environment. Um and I think Growth Point, you know, similar to ABI, it's a it's a it's a much sort of more stable um sleep safe at night business. So you know, yeah, toss up between those two, I think.
0: And which counter are you going with this afternoon?
1: Uh, further to the to the same theme, I know it's obviously more you know exposed to this, this offshore business, but it is a rich is You know, it's 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 still about thirty odd percent off its highs. Um, yes, and there are definitely some made wins, you know, still in the luxury space, especially out of China. But we've seen a lot of sort of, you know, positive things coming out of China. The government's obviously stepping in, um, you know, to assist the local market there. Um, and I think, you know, some, I don't know what the catalyst is going to be, but at, at some stage, I think the consumers are going to, you know, start to get more optimistic and that'll obviously be good for the luxury space but we also see you know that uh, luxury sort of tends to be a little bit more resilient you know when we see some of these more higher net worth consumers um you know not necessarily budging that much when it, when it comes to you know interest rates going up becoming economies coming under pressure so and it's and it's just cheaper moment. Cheap versus peers underperform mm-hmm. the, the swiss luxury index of late um, so yeah and i think it's a fantastic business
0: well, Jacobus, it's always a pleasure speaking to you. Have a fantastic weekend. Thank you for your time. That was your midday markets update with Jacobus Brinker from the Schmidt family office. <laughs>